I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, Owl Pellets, we are back once again. It is Mike, Brian, and Becky. I was going to say dynamic duo, but there's three of us. Only two of us are dynamic. <laughs> we'll, leave it, we'll leave it to everybody listening to decide who's, who's not. <laughs> dynamic dynamo. But we do. We do. Here's where I'm going. We do have the dynamic duo joining us today. There you go. Uh, we've got Amber Rice and Taylor Bird. Thank you all so very much for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. So to, to get us started here, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about who you are. Amber's going to get us started. Sure thing. So my name is Amber Rice. I'm an associate professor in the Agricultural Education um, Technology and Innovation Department at the University of Arizona. And what I get to do is prepare pre-service teachers and work with fantastic in-service agriculture teachers like Taylor Bird uh, for my job. So excited to, to be here and join this conversation. All right. Hi, I am Taylor Bird. I am a third year, finishing up my third year agriculture teacher in Gilbert, Arizona. I went through, <laughs> I know, I feel like I first, you my try. first year was uh, the year that ended in COVID. So I feel like this is the first very normal year I've had. So first year teacher all over again. But um, I went through the um, University of Arizona for both my bachelor's and master's in agricultural education and had the pleasure of having Dr. Rice through all of my five years at the U of A and taking everything she taught me every day and implementing it to the best of my abilities without losing my sanity. So Taylor, like I appreciate that, but grades have already been submitted. They won't take your degree back. You don't, you don't have to say nice things about her anymore. That's, I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> all true though. Amber is fantastic. Uh, so Taylor, give us a quick little summary about what the topic is for today. Yeah, the topic for today has to do with CASE, the Curriculum for Agri-Science Education, um, that really is sort of taking a look at how teachers who are getting certified in the CASE curriculum are actually changing their behaviors of implementing inquiry-based learning through that science integration. So I know a lot of teachers who are going and getting case certified and you have all the intentions of, in the world of, I'm, I'm gonna change my ways, I'm gonna go all sorts of inquiry, we're gonna do projects and problems and do everything of the sort, but um, really taking a look at this, this study of how teachers are actually implementing this in their classroom, are they, once they leave the institute, are they doing what they thought that they might? Or is their behavior actually changing and implementing um, this science or this uh, inquiry-based learning through science integration was kind of the focus of our study. That's cool. So tell us a little bit about what you learned from uh, the study. Absolutely. So I'll kind of take it off and then Amber can, can interject when she wants, but um, basically, through, through this study, I, we took a look at some teachers who all went through the same case, AFNR Institute, and the year after they got um, certified, we took a look at what it is that they were actually implementing. So did 
classroom observation, pre and post interview. And um, some of the things that we noticed across the board is that some of the implementation of case and inquiry-based learning can be hard when you don't necessarily plan for everything. So as, as we know, if you're familiar with case and honestly with all of teaching, um, budgets and capital items are the worst sometimes. And case has a long list of everything that you need to buy. And that can be very terrifying to go give to your administration, CTE, uh, department, whoever it might be, that's going to help you pay for it and being like, Hey, so they suggest I buy all of these things and can be very daunting. And a lot of teachers were even afraid to ask their administration to help buy a lot of those things and not realizing that there are some alternatives of how they can be implementing this curriculum without necessarily all of the lab quests, all of the beakers, everything that it might be that it calls for. There's some ways to get about that. Um, but also, there was this planning aspect for teachers that made it difficult for them to implement case into their into their day to days because you not only have to think about the specific lesson that you're going to be teaching, but overall, a lot of the teachers who were in this case study didn't think about how it was going to fit into their specific class or their specific classroom. So when it got tough and they didn't necessarily realize oh, I didn't think of where this was going to fit in, or I didn't think of what this was necessarily going to look like. A lot of them just fell back on what it was that they were doing before, because even though case is extremely helpful in everything that, that they provide to you and give you all of the lesson plan, everything you need, teacher resources, if you don't take a step beforehand and make sure you're planning what your day-to-day -day and unit-to-unit -unit and even your year is going to look like, it was super easy for teachers to kind of fall back into what it was that they were doing before um, in their curriculum before they were certified in case that was a big aspect of that. We got yeah, we saw. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to pause there just for a second. And then you can all of the teachers that are listening to this podcast that are teaching case right now are saying, oh, it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely. In all honesty, when I, I was so glad that I did this research before going into teaching, because then once I actually started teaching case, I'm like, okay, okay. I, I'm getting, this is harder than I thought. <laughs> I mean, cases, there's a lot of great stuff to case, but there, there's a lot to it that you really got to stay on top of. And I, I think you did a nice job of kind of te teasing that out and capturing that. So sorry to interrupt Amber, please, please interject. No, I was going to say we saw kind of a, a range of utilization of the case curriculum. Um, we, we grounded it in like 25%, it's like a light utilization, like 50% moderate, and then we had some heavy utilizers. And what we found is the ones who utilized case more in their classroom were the ones who did be, who, who were more proactive in their planning, got together with other teachers in their district or that were a part of the institute with case and kind of thought through how that was going to fit within their curriculum maps on the front end versus the, the back end. So that combined with that capital equipment cost and consumable equipment cost really drove how likely they were to integrate case within their current curriculum. Yeah, absolutely. That collaboration and teamwork was huge amongst teachers. And um, I had a couple people in the study who were in more rural parts of Arizona that necessarily didn't have anyone to talk to and they, they were 
a lot of times the ones that were having a more difficult time implementing this because even just being able to talk to someone and hey how are you implementing in unit two that lesson where it's going like where you're able to talk to someone and be like how are you doing this in your classroom or hey my students did not get the lab with the snails at all how did you do that <laughs> <laughs> that dreaded snails lab i remember the first time i taught it i called jim kaltenbach in arizona and was like what am i doing wrong because i can't get this to work right so i know that's probably a struggle teachers nationwide are facing some labs are just more complex than others mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that, yeah, that collaboration was uh, a huge theme amongst all teachers that if they had someone who was also certified, also knew about CASE and what they were trying to achieve, they seemed to have a little bit easier time in implementing in their classroom because like you mentioned it, they didn't necessarily feel so isolated and I'm not the only one that's, that's struggling with this or we can collaborate on maybe how we can alter this if we don't have some of the capital items and, and it made it a lot easier for for them to go about actually implementing that inquiry learning. Did you find any challenges depending on when in their teaching career they did case as far like if they were certified pre-service and were coming out and like that's what that's what they kind of knew to do or if they were mm -hmm. you know in earlier mid-career were there any differences with kind of with getting that new new approach? not so much in the years of experience but there was another phenomenon that emerged that was really interesting and that was based on their previous industry experience taylor can you talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely so um there was a a big notice to at first i thought it was just um traditionally certified versus alternatively certified teachers in in the sense of those who are alternatively certified usually coming from industry they actually seem to have a little bit easier time with implementing this inquiry problem problem-based learning where because sometimes it seems like those who are alternatively certified are able to see the connection to the real world a little bit easier than those who are traditionally certified because if you are just planning on being an agriculture teacher your entire life and don't necessarily work anywhere in industry. Yes, we can know our concepts inside and out, but to actually have some of those problem solving skills ourselves um, is, isn't always there um, along with it. So at first I thought it was just traditionally certified versus alternatively certified, but then I even noticed those who were traditionally certified through a, um, through a university, went through student teaching, everything like that. If they had some sort of industry experience beforehand, it seemed like they even had a little bit of an easier time um, implementing that inquiry learning and, and letting go of the reins a little bit more. I think a lot of times with our traditionally certified teachers, we, we go over classroom management so much. This is how you keep control of your classroom. Uh, we go through obviously all the different types of delivering instruction, but um, I think those who have experience in industry are able to kind of give that real world experience a little bit um, easier than maybe those who just went straight into teaching and that's all they know. So a lot of times those teachers who were traditionally certified and, and didn't have a lot of industry or industry experience before that, they tend to fall back a little bit more on that I'm just going to give a test because it's easier than having them do the project or 
I'm just going to give a lecture because I need to make sure they get all of this information. They seem to have a little bit harder time with letting go of those reins of, of student-centered inquiry-based learning. Absolutely. I, I think like the interest approaches, the why behind why they were teaching the content was so much stronger for the ones that could look back on that experience, those connections between this is how you're going to use that science within industry, within the real world was so much stronger. Even the types of questions they would ask students. Uh, they asked a lot more wide questions and went more in depth and probed those students that they had in the classroom when Taylor went out and did her observations. You know, that was one of the key things that, that she noted was how they were managing that and really forcing students to think, which is the hallmark of inquiry-based learning versus you know, giving in to giving them the answer even when they're asking for it. And I, I think that too brought in an interesting um, perspective of a lot of the people who participated in this um, study brought up having a honestly a generational shift of the students that we are teaching nowadays are so used to having all of the information one at their fingertips they can just get an answer to anything so quickly but that's not always problem solving yes you can look up an answer super quick and just have it given to you but being able to go through the process of finding out the answer to a problem is a lot more valuable than sometimes even the product that they're able to come up with. And I think that's what case can really help promote if the teacher who is implementing it is okay with giving up some of the reins and maybe not always getting the right answer or the perfect product that you might be thinking for. A lot of case really is the, the process and not the product. As you're, as you're talking about these things, um, well, undo a little bit here behind the veil, but one of our things we're talking about for, without pellets this, this year is this how people learn mm -hmm. uh, came through. And a lot of what you're talking about is this idea of how do we give students more control and, and guide through that is really seeing a lot of what, you're, uh, what you saw in your study connecting with, with what that report also shared. So it's, it's really kind of great to see this thing being played out in the ag, in the ag classroom as well. When you were talking with the teachers, did they make any any comments around what their perception of the of what the students thought about what was going on? <laughs> yes, uh, and it and this was pretty much the same all across the board. That a lot there was quite a bit, especially in the beginning when they were first rolling this out in their classroom, because uh, uh, for pretty much all of uh, I believe all of the teachers that participated, this was their first case certification of any sort so this was the first class they were implementing it in and for the first while a lot of them had a lot of pushback where students were like can we please just do a worksheet or watch a video or something because this is hard when in in the sense of asking them a question back when they ask a question it was it was honestly very frustrating for a lot of the students um, is what a lot of the teachers outlined because a lot of these students have learned how to play the game of school. They've been going through it and they know that if they're handed a worksheet, they can pretty much go through the textbook or go through this or whatever it might be and find the answer, no big deal. But to be asked an open-ended question and to be given something where it's like, well, did I get the right answer? And the teacher's like, well, what do you think? I don't know. Um, sometimes that can be really frustrating for students just based off the prior education that they've had inquiry as much as it's a buzzword in education as a whole 
we can see in our students is not always implemented because they're just so used to receiving the answer rather than having to find it for themselves. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious and I, um, what's this mean for teachers? What recommendations do you have as we think about case um, and case delivery in the future and, and even maybe uh, many, of, many of us are lead teachers. And so how do, how do we utilize what we've learned from this study going forward? Absolutely. So with case and when you're going through the Institute, yes, you have all that, that hype right then because you're usually somewhere away from home. You're at, a, you're at an Institute and you're learning and you, and you have that coming right out of a professional development, ready to go type of mentality. Um, I think the really important part with that is, is to ride that all the way through when you're implementing this into the classroom, because you need to think of not only when we're, when we're going through our Institute and um, going through those different activities and those different problems and everything that it might be, not only thinking about like, okay, how am I going to do this individual lesson, but how is this going to fit with my students? Am I in more of a rural area where this might be more applicable to them? The, and the great thing with case, and, and at least this was mentioned in all of my case um, institutes is there's no police that are going to come get you if you do anything <laughs> out of the realm of anything. I think you're supposed I, to tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've changed a lot of stuff and so far no ag police have come for me yet. So I don't know if I just gave myself a wave. I'm gonna get <laughs> tomorrow. Um, but really, really thinking about how this is gonna fit in your classroom for your students, for your environment, um, and having some sort of collaboration, whether it's just even emailing your lead teacher. I also got plant certified and I email my lead teacher all the time and just went, how do you do this? Or what, what does it look like for you when you do this? And um, just having that team of people that you can go to and, and work with is going to be super beneficial for you because CASE is an amazing curriculum and can really, really help students think if it is implemented, how it's gonna work for you as a teacher and making sure that, that you follow through with it because there is going to be pushback from students. There, it is going to be difficult. It's not going to be like you can roll out of bed at 7 a.m. and do a case lesson at eight without even thinking about it. There does need to be some prior, <laughs> prior thought put into it. And I think that would probably be the, the biggest thing that if someone's getting case certified, it's not necessarily one of those curriculums that you can just throw out morning of you, you do need to put some thought into it and it can really be changing for your classroom as a whole and for your students. I think too, we have to prepare the students themselves for a new way of thinking. We don't always as teachers explain why we're doing it this way, how you're gonna use it, how those skills are transferable. And so spending some time on the front end, even if it's not a part of the case curriculum, explaining what collaboration looks like, explaining why, if you come ask me as the teacher, I'm not going to answer that question. I've seen some teachers do some really cool strategies like uh, cards, like you get three cards, you can ask three questions within this lab section. But once you've used up all your cards, then you're going to have to ask a peer or ask somebody else to get through that. And so there are some strategies that we can employ as teachers to, to help with that and realize that as Taylor said, it's not going to be easy to start with because many of the teachers from the study talked about 
oh my goodness, in their other classes, it's pretty smooth sailing. In those other core content classes they have, they are to a degree spoon fed. And if we're asking them to think, it's going to be a little bit difficult and we have to kind of push through that. And I would say, I'm, I'm curious for you, Taylor, you know, when you think about your students and you started it, I'm sure you experienced some pushback, <laughs> but when yeah. did you start to see that tide change and them to get bought into thinking for themselves? Um, I think we might still be working on it, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we might definitely still be working on it. But um, I think definitely when I introduced um, in the, so this is, this is actually my second year implementing case. My first year with the, with the classes I taught wasn't, I didn't have any sort of case certification that went along with those courses. They were primarily AgMEC focused. And so this is my second year actually implementing case in, in our applied biological systems class, which is basically our introduction to ag class and definitely learned a lot last year. And um, even, even going into this year that I try really hard um, before I will even ask answer a question, I'll say like, did you ask someone in your group? Did you ask someone, did you ask another group? Because a lot of times, it can be very overwhelming as a teacher to hear Miss Bird, Miss Bird, Miss Bird, Miss Bird, Miss Bird, and have a question everywhere. So for the first little bit, when we would start doing labs in a safe way, I would almost kind of make myself obsolete and, and almost leave the room. So it's they they kind of had to figure it out. And I would I would just be outside the hall or whatever it might be, just working on something or walking in and out. So I wasn't just readily available to answer all of their questions at once. And it definitely made them a little uncomfortable because they're like, well, what if I have a question? What do I do? There's other alternatives to me being able to answer this question, even if it's going and, and trying to find the answer on your Chromebook or whatever it might be. Um, I started really seeing a shift towards the second semester of this year after being diligent in, in how I was going to respond to students um, in these labs that, that I was implementing and noticed that they were able to kind of grasp onto that. Well, she's not necessarily always going to be the one to answer the question. And it, and it definitely took some time for them. And there's still times that they struggle and I hear Miss Bird, Miss Bird, Miss Bird every hour. And um, <laughs> so it definitely takes time, but you'll see that progress throughout. And I think that's the, the, the real kicker that I want people to hear is you will see progress. Mm -hmm. We'll see it. We'll get there. And we talk a lot about case, which is great. But you just, it's the basis of inquiry-based instruction is the foundation of what we're doing there. And it, and you point out there, it does not have to be all or nothing. It, we can provide a variety. You can, you can go in there. You know, we're in a state in Florida where we have, I don't know of any pure case courses, but we have a lot of case certified and case trained teachers mm -hmm. because you mentioned that Florida school districts are scared to death of that list where it makes them sign and says, if I'm going to send a teacher, I'm going to, I'm going to buy all that equipment. Yes. Even we say there's no police going to do it. <coughs> the attorney says, I ain't signing anything. This says, I got to do something to do this. But we have a lot of people that are implementing parts and pieces of case mm -hmm. to do that. And inquiry-based instruction just to build that problem-solving skill uh, to do that. I think that's so important. And Taylor, the work you're doing is fantastic. Uh, both this research, but also what you're doing there in your classroom is fantastic. And, and so appreciate you sharing that with us today. And I, th I think that's the thing that, that I hope as we, as we wrap this up, people here mm -hmm. you make progress. There'll be bumps along the road, but you will see that and you'll, you'll really building those big skills with, with your students. So mm -hmm. Taylor, Amber, 
Thank you so very much for being with us today here on Alpelt and sharing this great research you've been doing. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.